don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. Does anybody else in any other profession feel like they are just skidding through home plate this holiday season? It has been so busy. We have been inundated with projects, which is such a good problem to have. But everybody wants their lists ready for Black Friday. So I have been working around the clock. I wake up, come to the office, work doing admin and all that fun stuff from nine to six. And then I go home, make dinner, and I'm a mom from six to 9.30. And from 9.30 to two, I'm a designer yet again. It's very cyclical this time of year, and I am living, breathing, constantly thinking about throw pillows, blankets, sofas, all things cozy and warm, because everybody wants to make a good impression come Thanksgiving. So hopefully you are subscribed to our Facebook page and you have seen our newsletter at Affordable Interior Design. Today we revealed our top seven favorite last minute tablescape ideas and you can literally throw them together and make an amazing impression on your guests. So I hope you all are more ready for Thanksgiving than I am because I will be making a lot of last-minute choices, not just with my tablescape, but also I've not done any grocery shopping and tis the night before the holiday. So I'll be buying turkey if they have turkey, chicken if they have chicken, nuggets if they have nuggets, whatever is left on the grocery store shelves, that's what we're having for our feast. So there we go. Um, I could talk about how busy I was and how tired I am all day, but instead, I have questions from you. You guys have sent in another round of amazing questions this week. And keep them coming if you have questions, whether it's about how I spend my holidays or where you can find the best Black Friday deals or what you should be buying on Cyber Monday. Send them to me at Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com. I have all the answers. And um, hopefully, I'll have the strength to get them to you before shopping season. All right, guys, so let me open it up with our first question, which comes from Diana this week. Diana wrote me, hi, Betsy, this is Diana. Thanks for your great design podcast and all your premium episodes. They've really brought me a bunch of amazing ideas in decorating our new home. I also have a bunch of questions about how to make our house flow well, not be all the same, and how to break out of my neutral palette. I just bought a few neutral colored rugs to brighten our living room. I bought the two side chairs and the tables and around mirror and I'm trying to add the finishing touches. There are only two overhead lights which is super annoying and it means that we'll have to put in some floor lamps. Since we split up the space already to make a more formal area and the other side of the room is more of a play area for my six-month-old baby girl, I feel like there are already a lot of pieces going on in this big room. How do I add some lighting and something for the wall in between two windows like a storage unit for toys or maybe even ottoman without having too many pieces in the space. Thanks, Diana. So Diana, you have an affliction. Did you know that? You have a horrible affliction called Curse of the Medium Furniture. You buy one storage ottoman and it holds some of the toys, so not all the toys, but then you have to buy a cabinet and it holds some of the toys, but not all the toys. So then you have to buy a storage sofa and it holds some of the toys, but not all the toys. So you have to keep buying these medium pieces of furniture to solve a really big problem. 
I have a feeling you're doing the same thing with your lighting situation. You don't have good overhead lighting, so you buy one fairly decent lamp that's a decent size, but it doesn't do quite enough, so then you have to buy another lamp, then you have to buy another lamp. So this problem could tend to compound itself, and I can tell, being the design doctor over here, that we have a solid curse of the medium furniture diagnosis. Here's how, Diana, you can break out of your curse. The first thing is to think about some hallelujah moments. A hallelujah moment is a big solution for a big problem. I am not afraid to use the words entertainment center. If that means that you can not only have your TV, but also have a lot of good cabinetry and storage around that TV. I am not afraid to use the words large storage cabinet. My favorites being home decorators. They have an Oxford series or Ikea, their Besta series. Quite deep, big storage with doors that you can use or you can choose not to put the doors on in the top if you don't want it to just look like Manhattan mini storage. If you'd rather have it be a combination of open shelving and then have the doors to conceal those bins of small toys. So go for a big solution. Stop getting these tiny solutions that are cluttering your large room. Now, the other problem with a large room, which you mentioned, is that illumination, is that your furniture is not hugging the walls. Some of it, including the sofa, is centrally located. And generally, you want cozy pools of light around those seating areas. That's why you put a task lamp next to a reading chair. That's why you put a floor lamp on one side of the sofa and a side table with a side table lamp on the other side of the sofa. But the issue with that is when you're floating your furniture, well, you can't easily float your lamps because most of us do not have outlets in our floors. Most of us only have outlets in our walls, and that means that there would be a long cord, which would then become a hazard for that six-month-old baby when she's crawling around and playing with the cords to get that illumination to the center of the space. So there's a couple ways that you can work this. You mentioned that you have walls and you have art on the walls, you later mentioned. So you could do an art lamp. An art lamp can be battery powered with LED lighting, or it can be plug-in and it can go above your art and it's meant to illuminate the art, but it can also provide some atmospheric illumination as well. You may want to think about an arcing lamp because an arcing lamp will have a base that could be in the corner of the room, but the actual shade and fixture would wind up being in the middle of the room at the end of that arc. The other option is to do something that has multi-bulbs, something like a floor lamp that has several different spots coming off of it. Well, that way you could have several different spots in several different directions that could help illuminate the room. And one incredibly crafty way is you could get a plug-in pendant. So a plug-in pendant is basically an overhead pendant that would normally just hang from the ceiling if you had a fixture. But in this case, it's going to have a long cord that you can swag or you can um, affix to the wall. But that cord will go all the way down to the wall and plug in. And you can put that pendant, if you use a hook that can screw into the ceiling, anywhere you like. So I did this in Brooklyn in a seating area where it was big and open and there were all these walkways and we just didn't have any room for lamps. So I got her a plug-in pendant from CB2. I took it to an electrician so I could get triple the amount of cord because the outlets, it was a pre-war building and there just were not sufficient outlets. So I really had to get a lot of cord to go all the way to where I needed to plug it in. But I wound up swagging it over the center of the sofa, even though the sofa was somewhat in the middle of the room. 
Now, since the cords are against the walls, it's no issue for baby proofing, and we get illumination right where we need it. And all we needed was a hook for the ceiling and a whole bunch of cord. And if you don't want to take it to an electrician, of course, you could just use an extension cord, but I didn't want to see that unsightly joint where the two cords came together. So that was my solution. But Diana, I hope that helps. There is more than one way to skin the Illumination Cat and go for that big storage. Stop buying these small band-aids. Let's get to my next question, which came from Taylor this week. So Taylor wrote me, Betsy, I've been enjoying your podcast and book so much that I thought I would try emailing you a question. I've been searching for bedding for the master bedroom in our house, and I was wondering if you had any suggestions. My husband says that our comforters or sheets are rough to the touch, and he is right. Do you have recommendations for king-size comforters that do not need a duvet, are machine washable, and will not pill? I'd like to th them to be a little pretty, some color, but not so much that my neutral-loving husband will feel unsettled. So a brand with design options would be wonderful. Grateful for any tips you have about this, and thank you for your fabulous guidance. Best wishes, Taylor. So, Taylor, should we keep it real? We should. We should keep it real. Okay. I don't tend to use comforters that don't have a duvet. That feels a little bit bed in a bag. It feels a little dormtastic. That being said, some of my clients really do prefer that, but I stick to one of two options generally, unless they're adamant about me going for that comforter that does not have a cover. One of the options that I will go with is a duvet, right? A duvet is a cover for the comforter, and the reason you would use that duvet is because a duvet is much easier to wash, especially in a king size. Try washing a king size comforter. It is really difficult, and it could even break your washing machine. I have to take my king size bedding to our industrial laundromat neighbor over here on Main Street, Good thing our next door neighbor at our storefront on Main Street is a dry cleaner because I'm constantly hauling my big king size bedding over there so it doesn't compromise my own dryer at home when I can pay $4.50 and have their industrial strength machines take care of it for me. But the moral of that story is then you don't have to wash that insert, that comforter, which tends to be very bulky and overstuffed and highly problematic to not only dry but then to even wash. So, that's one option, right? And that is the most popular option among my clients, getting that removable duvet and covering their comforter. My husband does not like comforters because he feels like they are too hot. He feels like it's too much bedding. So ever since I got married, I abandoned my poor comforter. It's gone the way of the storage closet. And instead, we are using a blanket or quilt, as they're sometimes called. Don't think about your grandma's quilt. They have lots of modern colors, textures, patterns, and it's just a thin style blanket that has a little bit more weight to it than an average blanket. Uh, and it, again, is a monster in a king size for your washing machine, but it's easier to wash than that comforter and it's more lightweight as well. It's kind of a, a good compromise between sheets, blankets, and then your comforter duvet set. Now, if you guys are adamant, if you are yelling at me through your media player and saying, Betsy, we really just want a bed in a bag comforter, well, then Google is our friend, right? Head to Overstock, head to Wayfair, read those reviews. Everybody has a different skin sensitivity, so going by thread count can be deceptive. It's not always the answer. The higher the thread count, the more comfortable the sheets are bedding. Totally untrue, in my opinion. 
So that could be a good place to start. Just whittle it down by four or five star reviews only. Whittle it down by comforter without duvet or blanket. And you should find a lot of options in your niche. However, a lot of them may feel um, not so sophisticated because of what I mentioned before, that the comforter is sometimes a little mm, compromised in terms of look. So perhaps go for a solid uh, and then have a patterned rug or interesting art above the bed. I'm even open to bright, crisp, and white. There is nothing as classic. There is nothing as inviting as crisp white bedding. And of course, it's easily bleachable. So that is always a safe go-to. I hope that helps, Taylor. Keep us posted on what you choose. I would love to see if you can find a sophisticated bed-in-a-bag option. So let's go to my next question that came in this week as I scroll here. David wrote me, Betsy, most of the rugs I see strike me as very feminine. Do you have recommendations for a good neutral rug for a bachelor pad? So feminine rugs. You know, I was just having, I'm, I'm, basically having an existential crisis with this gender situation. I was just talking to one of my clients yesterday who's a professor at Columbia, and she was saying, I want my space to look very feminine. I feel like that is too masculine. We were using these terms, and I feel like these terms are problematic in this day and age when I am completely on board with the idea that gender is a spectrum, and I'm also using masculine and feminine a lot in my everyday vernacular when I'm speaking about design. I'm having trouble finding new language. And I could say soft and hard. I could say um, rough and smooth. But those don't sum it up either. So if you guys have better gender-neutral words to describe what I'm getting at, that would be amazing. But when we were talking, she was also worried by her word choice. And I told her, when I'm speaking about masculine things and feminine things in a space, I'm almost thinking about them in like a European way. So when I took French, you know, they tell you certain words are feminine and certain words are masculine, like trash can would be feminine and flower would be masculine. So I'm almost thinking about it like that, more as a fact than a feeling. But David, you are worried about rugs. So let's just be gender stereotypical because I have not come up with better words. And if you come up with better words, please send them to me at Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com. I'm desperate to be more PC in this area. But in terms of rugs, the higher the pile, generally one associates it with more feminine qualities. It's softer, it's more plush, it's squishier, it looks more textured from afar. So the lower you go, with like a cotton mat style or a flat weave or even a jute, well, that would feel more masculine. Also think about the patterns on top of the rug. So if the pattern is curved, swirling, of course floral, well, that reads feminine. And if it's more geometric, if it's got a lot of straight lines, if it's got some modern abstract qualities to it, well, that would lend itself to feeling more masculine. And then we could go into colors, right? So certain colors would be masculine and certain colors would be feminine. Anything that has a warmth to it um, would be more feminine, like red, orange, yellow. Anything that has a coolness to it would be more masculine, like greens and blues and some shades of purple, even though pur purple tends to be a feminine color. 
Um, but you were mentioning that you want it to be neutral. So when we're thinking about neutral, the warm neutrals are creams, beiges, tans, and you would want to stay away from those if you're feeling like rugs in those hues feel feminine. So in the neutral spectrum, a masculine color might be like a taupe or a gray or a gray beige, which I like to call grayish. And those are things that you could look for. In other words, the best rug for you, David, the most masculine rug for you would probably be a geometric grayish rug that has a pile that's less than 0.25 inches, which means it would be one of those flat mat style rugs. So now you are ready to go shopping, David. Fill up your online cart and get it all ready for those big Cyber Monday sales. Guys, it was such a pleasure talking to you again this week. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. I hope you make all your dreams come true and get 50% off at every single store without getting trampled. And I hope that when you survive the holiday, you sit back, relax, and think of some amazingly delicious design questions for me. Send them to Betsy at affordableinteriordesign.com and I'll be answering them next week. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.